Hey, welcome to New Hope Underground. That's right. Home of just about everything good. That's right. Because, you know, we believe in God, we believe in Jesus, and uh, God's the Father that gives perfect gifts or something like that, it says in the scripture, and he has gifted you, New Hope Underground. (laughs) We said we'd sell something. (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like I feel like we needed some sort of little commercial there or something. But hey, this is Darren Hansen and I, Eric Splector is with me today. Eric, hey everybody. Eric is famous because he was on our Ephesians podcast so long ago, <laughs> kind of yeah, like college last week. <laughs> last week he was on Ephesians podcast with me talking about Ephesians chapter three, and hopefully some of you listened to him there. But he's back. And this is a regular New Hope Underground episode. This is not Ephesians. And if you listen to New Hope Underground, what you'll find out is you're going to find all sorts of features, if you will, coming at you through the through the uh, through the podcast stream there. And we've we, you know we've got the Ephesians thing going on. I just replayed a uh, an interview with my brother on there about his book. And then we also just have interviews with people around the church, and that's what this is about. This is our kind of our regular scheduled programming, if you will. <laughs> Back to regular Back scheduled to, programming. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> but Eric and I have been friends for a long time. Yeah. How, how long would you say? Because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I know. I really can't count that far back. Mm. I've known you since you help, were in... Help me on the math, but let's do 98. Yeah, there you go. Sure. 24? 25? Good. 25 years. Holy cow. That's like majority of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it's not, unfortunately. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway. uh, Majority of your life, though. I mean, because you were were young when we we met. But anyway, let's talk about that for a second. Because I I invited Eric to come on here because he's got a heck of a story. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But... uh, uh, you and I met at your Bible college. Mm-hmm. You had come to do a revival, and I know even in the evening after, you know, we had chapel there at school, and I think we had it like four days a week, so I don't know if you filled that whole space that week, but heard you speak several I times. I it was several times, but I don't remember how many times I actually preached. But I think my memory is that uh, you had just kind of of your own initiative, you know, felt a leading to do something in the evening. And a lot of students come out, prayed, you know, share stuff that uh, might not have normally been. Yeah. You know, just not that it was graphic or gory or bad or anything, but just outpouring in their heart and where they were hurting, where they needed prayer. And it was a catalyst for us there on campus. I mean that. It was cool. Yeah. And I always, I always get a little antsy when when they build something as a revival and he asked you mm-hmm. to come speak, it's like, it's like, Oh, okay. So you're the guy with, you know, if the Holy spirit doesn't fall upon everyone in tongues of fire, then there's something wrong with you. Right. So we don't let our, us down. We want our check back. <laughs> I know. I was always a little scared about stuff like that, but, but it was good. You're like, I'm revived. I don't know what their deal is. <laughs> I feel good. I'm yeah. Sure, you know. Sorry. You didn't get anything out of those sermons, but, uh, you know, I feel revived, and so does my checking account. So and I'm ready for next month at church. Dollars. I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome, though. I'm trying to remember. So, 90, that would have been 98? 
I'm guessing. I I was in school there, ninety seven to oh one. So somewhere. yeah, I wouldn't have been around there. Maybe because you, mm-hmm. you were younger in college, if I remember right. You were like a sophomore or something. Yeah, I'd been to actually a couple years at Kaskaskia and then went on. So I was actually a touch older. Oh, bit. okay. Mm-hmm. But you were, you weren't like a senior no, at the college. No, yeah, at the yeah time. younger at the school. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was. I think I was in ninety eight. I would have been in Indianapolis. I yeah, think, at I the believe time. so. Because I, I think even what I recall is, I don't think I knew you because Mount Vernon was before that, correct? Yeah I, yeah, yeah, I lived in Mount Vernon. Yeah, and so I I think that was the the billing that they gave us of you. Oh, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Live from was. Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I come out and they have no idea how to, how do you, what do you do with a guy from Indianapolis? But anyway. Race. but we know each other a long time so that's good you know i i I tell you what's what's been cool is over the years you and i always have we have a little running jokes it seems like Mm -hmm. all the time we've gone through our chuck norris phase (laughs) our compromised immune system our compromised immune system phase (laughs) tell tell that story because people will understand what we won't understand what we're talking about some of it is you know, you just would have to be there because you'd have to see the expressions <laughs> on everybody's faces. Yeah, exactly. But, exactly. You know, that awkward moment when you're like, well, I don't really know what I want to order. And we're in we're at a, a smaller town yeah. here. And, and so you get that local vibe going on. But uh, I forget a couple youth ministers. I was one of them and, you know, yourself. And we were there just enjoying that meal. And uh, I think a couple of us had ordered and it come around to you. And uh, you pointed down to the menu and just with a smirk said, yeah, I'd like the compromised immune system. Because <laughs> they had in small, they, they had a little small print down there. Yep. Like if the, something about raw Beef meat or, the meat, yeah, or something, yep. you'll have a, comp, you know, compromise your immune system. And then, and the, the waitress just, she, she, she didn't it. get it or yeah, something. It, it threw her. She, she just looked at me like, what planet are you from? Yeah, why, what is, why would you say that? Why would you want to compromise me? Like, taking me totally seriously. Yeah. I'm like, well, I, I didn't, I wasn't expecting you guys to like cook one up. <laughs> or not. Well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we've had our running jokes from time One to of time. my favorites, though, I'm going to tell on you. Uh-oh. Is, uh, so were you over in Evansville? And I'm at home and I get a phone call. I'm like, hey, my buddy Darren. Oh, yeah. Pops, <laughs> pops up on my phone. <laughs> and, you know, we've had, yeah, over the years, gotten to see you there in yoga, different spots, you know, here. Yeah, I moved, course. I'm the one that moved around a lot more than you did. But. And so we'd connect, reconnect, you know. And uh, so I'm excited. I get this phone call. I hadn't talked to you in a while. And just like we'd not missed a beat, you know. And so I'm, I'm hooks in the mouth, you know. I'm like, hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you proceed to say, uh, would you mind, Eric, like going to pick up my son tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember this. And then. at that moment, this I'm is so thrown because I'm like, well, yeah, I certainly can. I hope nothing bad has happened. That's where my heart goes. <laughs> right. But you said, yeah, he's here and there. And I, I think I said right after that, I'm like, well, you know, it'll take me a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> to drive down to Evansville to get right, him. Yeah. I'm here in Effingham, but that's fine. I'd be glad to. And at that moment, you're like, wait, what? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wrong Eric. Wrong Eric. I dialed the wrong Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I know we had a youth worker down there named Eric yep. at that church. Yep. 
It was good talking to you, though. It was you know, good to talk to you, but... Sometimes we catch up even when we weren't intending to. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been good moving back around this area again because I get yeah. to see you more. So it's yeah. been pretty cool. Had some good dinners or lunches at the Goat. and Oh, my yeah, goodness. Just lots of... And it's, it continues. Yeah. Hikes have been Yeah, we've been hiking recent. together, so... Yeah, we've got to continue, too. So, yeah. good stuff. That's for sure. <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> That was real. Um, I, I wanted you on because I wanted everyone to hear your story. I mean, I know a lot of it, uh, obviously, us being good friends. But also, there's kind of a, just to be honest, folks, there's a little bit of a Job feel to, to Eric in the last few years. And where God's kind of taken him. And I want to start with this, Eric, before we get into your story and some of the details of your story. What I want to like to know, and I think would be great for our audience to know, and I've said this many times, even on this podcast, I think when talking about testimonies, to me, the most powerful thing about testimony is what has Jesus done for us in right now? You know, what is, how has he molded us or transformed us, changed us? And I'm just curious, like, can you just give everyone just a, two or three things about you, what you think is really um I don't know, in your relationship with Jesus, like right now, two or three things you think you've learned over the last few years, before we even get into your story, uh, two, two or three things you've really learned about him that he's really taught you. Yeah. <clears throat> I think the first one that's um, it's been shaped in me by several things over the last couple of years. I don't know if I'll say it well. You might help me, but... Uh, I feel like any sense of control, not that I I won't make a decision, not that I'm afraid to, not that I, I sit around all day and do nothing, but any sense of control that I have, I instantly am reminded of the last few years and some of the lessons I've learned. Um, and so that sense in me shifts really fast to that's not control. Like you're blessed with choice. Mm. And, uh, so what I do with it at that moment, you know, mentally or emotionally just, um, yeah, it's a gift from somewhere else, obviously, you know, God, but, uh, it's not of my own volition because, um, several things, like I said, have, have shown me or just, I, I couldn't even choose to, (laughs) couldn't even choose, how do I say this? I couldn't even choose what I thought of choice. <laughs> right. Because, yeah, there was zero. So learning learning from the Lord that you're not in control of anything. Yeah, just... How was that freeing? Yeah. You know, I mean, isn't that freeing? And mm-hmm. has it produced, like, less anxiety in your life? Oh, yeah. Mean? Yeah, the details, I mean, I've surrendered them to a great deal, mm. you know. If something ends up like I would like it, that's great. I'm excited if it ends up south nine times out of 10, if I'm mindful of it, I'm like, no, that's, it went how it should. (laughs) Or, you know, if we've given best efforts and done everything, but at the same time, even saying that right now, if if we've given best efforts, I'm like, "Mm, Mm, mm. who decides whether I give my best effort or not? I'm not sure I do. It's just amazing that, and, and this is what I'm hoping to prove a little bit with this podcast and your stories to show it just amazing that you don't come to those conclusions lightly. You know, it takes pain and problems and mm-hmm. hurt 
before you come to some of those good conclusions about Jesus. Yeah. It's amazing how anxious we can be in our life because we think we're in control. Yeah. So mm-hmm. take even this podcast, for instance. I, even the sense of just showing up, like I can get to that really quick. Yeah. That to some level is in my power. But at the, at the same, I go, well, no, no, it's not. I can think of about five things that would have kept me from coming here. You know? Right. I, I believed I was going to get off work on time. I believed I wasn't going to get in an accident. I believed all these things, but uh, not, not necessarily after the last few years. No well, guarantees. Well, that's stuff we take for granted yeah. every single day. Isn't and it? I just can't. Yeah. I just can't. It's okay, so taken away. That's incredible. So the con- learning you're not in control. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you can share with this that you've learned um, about you know, what Jesus has really taught you? I mean, believe me, I'm I'm still in many ways, I feel like a lot of different people, but I feel like my sense of uh, dependence on him, um, it was even just a word that I, I focused on, prayed over, considered, um, yeah, just heightened, it's bigger, What whatever sense I had before of, I helped that happen, mm. it just it was like, psh, no, nah. You showed up. That's what you know. You did that, maybe, but <laughs> I, I didn't determine the outcome. I didn't. I just I was faithful. I guess you know. I hope to be. But. Wow. Yeah. So many of us see ourselves as indispensable to whatever we're no involved way. in, but no we're way. we're not. You know, we are dispensable. However, as a Christian, I guess what you're saying is, "Oh, glory to God." You know, yeah. it's not like a bad yeah. thing here. Yeah, to realize that it's not. It's a, <clears throat> you know, we'll get into the story a little more, but uh, you know, in some places, when you recover from very difficult things, there is the um, temptation, or there, there's the allure of going back to, like, I got this. It's all right. I'm, I'm getting better. It's okay. Pieces of the puzzle are coming back together, and I can, mm. I can help drive this. But uh, losing that, and I can remember a really distinct day where that, um, it upset me. It made me emotional because I could feel the sense of how much I had to, mm. like not even a choice, mm. had to depend on God was yeah. leaving me. And, uh, you know, so it was a weird, like I'm thankful to get better, but at the same time I'm losing that. Mm. And intimacy, I used to say that a lot. Okay, so... In answering this question, and I know this seems backwards maybe to people that they're listening, that we're talking about <clears throat> where Eric's at now and kind of where his relationship with Jesus and what he's learned from him. And two things he's mentioned is the fact that that he's not in control of things and how much he needs, he is, he really is dependent on God. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Uh, and, and this is really growth in your life, discipleship. Yeah. You know? So let's let's talk about the story because I'm hoping everybody kind of has their antennas up, listening for how you've learned those lessons. Mm. <laughs> As we and then we'll talk about that again a little mm-hmm. bit towards the end. But uh, let's start from if you don't mind, let's start back. I mean, you like when we met mm-hmm. many years ago, you were in Bible college. Yep. I mean, uh, why did you want to? You went into the ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, why did you want to go into a full time ministry? You know, the most. The most honest uh, answer is that I had a little bit of Jonah in me. 
it's kind of running for a while hmm. and the mix of that, like, oh, I'll be a coach. I'll be a teacher. I'll do this. I'm at Bible college, but, eh. and so it was a level of surrender to say, no, in ministry is where I need to be. And I've got to let that down. So you went to the lake one summer. There was this giant fish. <laughs> right. I'm like, wow, I'm fish vomit. So uh, what can you do with that? So God kind of, kind of tracked you down. You ended up in the graduating Bible college and mm-hmm. going into ministry. You worked with, what kind of positions did you have? Uh, so youth forth? ministry initially. I'd done a little weekend uh, while I was at school. And, um, you know, very first spot, little church down in Cesar, Illinois, would go down on the weekend. And oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just a... I forgot I, you were at Cesar. All that yeah. very first ministry experience. And, yeah. Uh, you know, you hold each and every one, you know, dear to your heart. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't even remember. Maybe six months, I'm thinking. We, we need to give a shout-out to uh, Trent Packer here in our <laughs> in our church. His oh, yeah. brother is the is the minister there. Okay. Cesar. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and so... <laughs> Bounce from that to another one, short little stint. I actually left the second uh, weekend youth ministry because I had made that decision. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna speak. I need to stop focusing some of what I'm learning here and surrender in a sense to uh, what he has for me. And, and I believed at that time, you know, it would be focusing more on preaching and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And so out of school, I didn't initially do preaching ministry, but still felt like being on a team and being with some good people to to help me grow and you know learn the ropes and not just be out there flying around you know um, and I'd seen some stories of how ministry could be rough and I thought no I need I need people with me you know I'm, yeah I'm not gonna be Superman so but yeah I started here in Effingham uh, July of '01 so for the, the old uh, Willow Street Church mm-hmm. yeah yeah for the most part I have been here in Effingham had a short little stint in um, Metro East, St. Louis, not even a year, but uh, then bounced right back here and, you know, did some other kind of parachurch work, you might call it, you know, work for a foundation stuff, but still yeah. ministry related, very good connections and people I met. And, and eventually became a pastor, or lead minister, if you will, at <clears throat> Cornerstone. Yeah. One of Christian my, church. One of my good friends, Kevin Colclasier, had been the minister of Willow Street and then Cornerstone for a long time. And, uh, just through a lot of discussions, prayer, and and more, I'd uh, all come to the conclusion. Kevin, you know, was really the key part of that. Um, that yeah, transition was appropriate, and so I uh, yeah, I played basketball against Kevin in college, and I would say it scarred my life. <laughs> he was good. He was at good. Too, a lot too, of people. Too good. Didn't want to, you know. He would uh, bring that team from Willow Street over to play our kids. And, great guy, great heart. Yeah, and of course our our college basketball players over there are going, who is this guy? Why in the <laughs> world can he bring them over? And they beat us every yeah, I time. know, what is, yeah. <laughs> you know, He's, he was scary. Yeah. Still is. But just learned a lot of really good lessons from him still. Great friends to today. Saw him not all that long ago. And um, yeah, just a unique situation you know where you would transition i know there's been transition here Mm -hmm. you know but uh kevin was uh not at a you know an age that he was necessarily that wasn't what he felt he was done with he actually went on to where he's at now scott avenue he's in newton Newton. yeah and but for the church and for the time for the kingdom that's what we felt was appropriate and right so sure yeah so you were preaching and kind of leading the staff there and everything 
you know, and uh, it was kind of a second, I, you know, I don't know who does this, but I did two stints of six years at Willow Street slash Cornerstone. Did six years, you know, went away for a while. Like I said, came back and did another six. And probably the last you know, three or so, I was the preaching minister. And um, yeah, then that's where, you know, things after that kind of took a turn. So Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into that if you don't mind. Okay. And, uh, you know, Eric and I talked ahead of time about him sharing his story. And it takes a lot. You know, I hope you understand that when you're listening. It takes a lot for somebody just to kind of share over a microphone and realize other people are going to be listening uh, to his story. But uh, I really appreciate your openness. But um, things started kind of, I don't know, the Job moment, yeah, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Some so things started happening. Five years ago now. And it, okay. It, I think an honest statement could be it is not really stopped until a couple months ago. Uh, I mean, that's, been so, that's the way it feels. Yeah. Yeah. There've been waves and I've had some very good moments uh, over the while and I hope I don't hit another one, you know, but uh, yeah, I can, I can look back and go, it's been continual difficulty, trial, hard, just, and disconnected, you know, things that I would think don't have anything to do with each other, but just all within these five years. And well, so. you know, it's <clears throat> every one of us goes through trials, you know, problems and troubles. Uh, but I think the, I think people just hearing the extent of, you know, what you've gone through yeah. uh, is, and then, and then we'll talk at the end about, you know, really uh, kind of remind everybody again as to what, <laughs> yeah. how Jesus has really pulled you through all these things. But well, and that's one thing I, you, something you said a moment ago reminded me like, it is something folks to share your story. And I hope that you do. I think it's good for all of us and in the community of believers, brothers and sisters, like we need to find safe spaces to share our story. And we might think our story's big. We might think it's small. None of that matters. It's Mm. your story Mm. and you need Mm. to share it and talk about it and uh, process it. Cause part of it is processing that, you know, and what you believe about it, what you think about it, what you let, just land on your heart and even what Jesus, I believe can speak to you about your own story, though you, you think you something about yeah. it. Yeah. He probably has a word or two to tell you about it too. <laughs> I would think. Yeah. But he'll get your attention one way or the other sometimes <laughs> yeah. pre or post or mid, like he kind of figures <laughs> that out. <laughs> so so Pretty true. versatile. So if yeah. you don't mind, let's kind of start from, you know, when, you know, you're preaching at Cornerstone. Yeah. But uh, some things start kind of yeah, going, going um, awry. Ahead of um, ahead of what I've shared just a little bit about going through divorce, uh, that was kind of the start of it. I really had went ahead and just resigned um, from the church and the ministry and um, had always hoped I would be the type of person that would uh, put family first, you know. Mm-hmm. We all talk about that, but when you get the chance to live it, decide it, prove it, really be it, um, that's the moment. It's not the words you say five years before were like, no, I really value. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. here's your chance to live it. And yeah. Yeah. so I did, I resigned and took a job here, a few different, um, actually worked in, uh, optometry with Dr. Sahian Jones for a while. And yeah. yeah, while I was there is when the, the divorce actually played out and, you know, she had left. Um, yeah, from there, I mean, you know, I suppose there was some uh, 
some grace in not leading a church and not being responsible and able to do um, just life, you know, go to a job, put your time in. Yeah. But at the same time, God really put some people around me that though they may not even know they were ministering to me, you know, I had ministered for so long. Um, I felt like that was part of what God was saying, even in those years. And especially now that I have time to look back, it's like, no, I, I had that person there for a reason. Remember that word they said, remember? <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. some of the most delightful ones that even say this, like, I think it kind of pairs with what we said last week. They weren't, they, I don't know that some of them would necessarily call themselves Christians, mm-hmm. but I think our God is big enough that, yeah. If he chooses to touch their heart, say a word, it means something to you. I mean, I had one person in particular, um, and this isn't a a great example because I think she would say, you know, that she's a Christian, but she just, at a point I wasn't uh, dealing well with uh, just letting myself feel those feelings. She uh, could tell something was wrong with me, pulled me aside and said, it's okay to feel that. And I just, I mean, flood works, you know. Lost it. Um, It's got to be a little odd going from, you know, the pastor role, talking to people in these kinds of situations all the time to being the person in the situation and receiving from from others. You also didn't go through this just as a husband, but as a father, Mm -hmm. because you you have a daughter and twin twin boys, boys. Mm -hmm. so... Yeah, and the dynamics there, you know, of family and watching them, you know, in pain as well, their loss as well, and and just figuring out, you know, all those dynamics of how do we co-parent, how do we not, what do we, you know, do from here. Um, I often thought how hard for any, you know, young adult, teenager to try to navigate a whole lot Mm. (laughs) and then throw in, you know, these kind of things. Um, so you're, re- you're on the road to recovery in a way, mm-hmm. trying to figure out, like you said, trying to juggle things with yeah a new family, not ideal situation mm-hmm. and your own words to me before. Yeah. And then also trying to recover from just the own personal heart and hurt and, mm-hmm. you know, issues with that and going from, I, I know this sounds Weird to people, maybe, but I'm just I'm just gonna speak up for you if I can about sure. I also think it's doubly hard, and I know some people would say that's not true, and that's fine. Have your opinion, but I think it's doubly hard that when you're a pastor, mm-hmm. because when things happen like this in life, um, because you lose every, you lose everything, you lose your job, yeah. you lose your friends in some ways, yeah. And I'm not saying you lost your friends. Totally redefined. But a re- at yeah, some of your friendships are redefined mm-hmm. because some people are looking at you like pastor and, and now your your marriage fell apart. So therefore, you're not pastor anymore. See, yeah. I'm saying like, <clears throat> it's not like you can keep your job sometimes. And I don't think people understand that. Like mm-hmm. some people can go through, don't, don't get me wrong. I know some people listening have gone through just as much pain, mm-hmm. but it's, but I'm just saying that there's a lot of other dynamics included with that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the grace isn't there for people who work at a church. And I hope I can which say is this. too bad. Yeah. I hope I can say this well too, because it's not a fault of people within the church, but when that's going on and you have been viewed 
as the person to go to mm-hmm. and ask and counsel and help me. Uh, you've been my support. But when you're not in a position where you have that, uh, there's no fuel. You know, I like yeah. uh, I'm at rock bottom. I, I sure might want to try, but I, I'm giving you, you know, the bottom of the barrel or, or can't, you know, quite frankly. I might be... And probably was, you know, even... Or you uh, have to fake your way through a little yeah, bit. fooling myself. Yeah. That I'm like, whatever I think I'm giving you probably isn't worth anything, you know. I hope it's Jesus because that would be worth something, but past that, uh, I don't know, right. you know. And I mean, it goes right back to what I said earlier, like even that, thinking that I'm providing something. No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't control that. Yeah. You know, they likely came to me anyway only because his leading you know, his prompting his will you serve me you know help my children in this way and yeah i want to you know but we sure don't view it that way though when yeah. we're when we haven't gone through things yeah you know we we view it still like well that's my position and that's mm-hmm. what i do and that's what you know yeah. the way people respond it's not we don't necessarily even we don't chalk it up to even even though we we work in this this job that's like all about serving Jesus, we don't think of it that way mm-hmm. a lot of times because you can, yeah. it can be, you know, I I don't know, <clears throat> I just, I feel for you there because I think that a lot of people don't understand that dynamic mm-hmm. when you're in a ministry and you go through hard yeah. times like the family and so forth. Now, if you don't mind, we're going to kind of transist because <clears throat> that's not the end of the story yeah. for you because yeah. Uh, it's the same with Job. It may have started yeah. <laughs> in a not good way, but it's kept getting, kept mm-hmm. going, you know? And uh, so, so kind of, if, if you don't mind, let's talk about a lot of the physical things that have been thrown at you the last few years. And uh, you're not, you're not an old guy, Eric. I mean, you're, how, how old are you now? 45. For, he's 45 folks. So, Keep that in mind. You know, we get a lot of people listening who say, well, you know, things that have happened, you only happen to older folks, but mm-hmm. they don't. Yeah. So let's, let's if you don't mind, let's kind of sure. transist into that part of the story. So after that work at the uh, optometrist office, I uh, got an offer to do some drug and alcohol counseling. And I really felt for the majority of my life, like that's who I am. That's what he's built in me. I don't, mm. I don't know why I, not going to judge it just it uh, a lot of things I can't do but I I feel like I can do that you know or provide that is probably a better way to say it um it was in your in your wheelhouse I mean yeah, so you love helping people like that yeah yeah gifting and so I'm sitting at my desk I'm actually in the outpatient facility um in Mattoon Illinois and I on the phone with the gentleman <clears throat> because at the time COVID had just kicked off and so we had to go mm-hmm. to telehealth and so I wasn't getting to uh, talk to anybody you know face to face couldn't have done this and um, I while I'm on the phone with the gentleman I felt this wave come across uh, the right side of my face and everything went to like a really mechanical clunky um, I don't know that's just the best words I have for it, it was it was so disorienting and uh, I blurred out. I mean, I could see around the room, but it was like I instantly, you know, mm-hmm. like I was underwater almost or something. And um, I managed to, I don't know how, <clears throat> but finished the call 
and uh, you know all these things are happening real quick I pushed my seat back and there's a secretary in the facility and I could see by her face like she could tell something was wrong with me and I, I couldn't stand up I was in my chair but I'm like I I just yielded enough for her to see me and, mm. and address her and so fast forward they called the ambulance and uh, got me to a hospital spent about a day and a half at that hospital and um, a neurologist came and bent down in front of me and said um, if I were your friend and um, and if I were speaking with my friend I would say something like this we need to get you to a larger facility there's something that's shown up in some of your scans and things that she, the way she termed it we need to put you in a learning hospital you know so this meant Chicago St. Louis mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. and our comfort level was just barns so we said okay you know can we fly over there. So I'm one that has had the privilege of riding in a AeroVac, you know, so hospital, hospital. Everyone wants to ride in a helicopter, right. but not that way. <laughs> not the sticker price either. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but um, past that, um, day and a half or so, I mean, it, this is from June 1st to June 4th at this point. What were they telling you at this point as to what well, that happened? W- that was my first, once I got to that hospital probably spent a day in a an ER type area um they really weren't saying a whole lot you know we've done this scan we've done this thing but at the same time you have to realize my brain is damaged like there's even the things I think I'm probably hearing I don't know that I'm making any sense of them mm, mm. <laughs> so I'm doing my best but um I don't remember the word stroke being used until you know, I was up in a room, I was more admitted in a regular room. And, and like I said, probably spent, I think, oh, I don't know, June 3rd, June 4th in that room. So on June 4th, I had been told that, you know, I was to a place, not any way recovered, but just the immediate emergent moment was over. And now I was living with that and going to rehab and things like that. So they were uh, starting the process of discharge. My uh, mom and I think I forget who all but at least my mom was on uh, her way I think my brother and um, one of the nurses came in and I told her I said I don't I don't know what's going on but something feels funny I said almost like before and uh, as quick as I said that she ran out of the room and by the time she got bent back in I was unresponsive mm. and uh, so unresponsive to them but I saw everything that was going on. It was like trapped in my body and it was just so fast. Like I went from being able to say that to her to, I just laid back. It just felt like laying back and like, I can't, I can't move my arm. I can't blink my eyes. I can't like anything. I can't even move. So you're, my this eyes. is all you're thinking all this. Oh yeah. I'm there. I'm present. <laughs> I, I can see the people's faces right now. This is two and a half years ago. Um, in your body, in my body, but just trapped. Um, what I found out was a neurologist. She come up to me and she's trying to speak to me and say, um, you know, can you move your eyes? Can you blink? Can you do these things? And I'm, if you could picture the hardest thing you have ever tried to do to gut through just like the ultimate strain you've ever given to any moment, I'm just trying to blink Mm -hmm. and I can't. Cause I can tell by her response, like she's not catching it and I'm obviously not doing it. 
So she goes down to my toenail and she squeezes it. And out of me comes this just like guttural moan, uh, almost involuntary. And, uh, oh, I felt that it hurt, <laughs> you know, but she's uh, pinching pretty hard, I, something, <laughs> <laughs> but the minute she did that and I moaned, she goes, he's in there. And, uh, they all responded to that. You know, I mean, you can only imagine the faces, um, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but you know, that type of story and some of what happened rippled its way through Barnes and I could tell by their expressions, like, you're that guy, you're that guy that happened. And Mm. yeah, apparently I'm that guy. I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but whatever you've heard. Yeah, probably true. So in my unresponsive state, roll me out. They're going to take me to surgery, but they want to do a scan first. And so they've kind of got my arms like wrapped up. They got me bound so that I don't like flop around or something, you know, and I'm, I'm rolling back into the scan, but at that moment I started to seize. So I've got these involuntary seizures going on and I'm making noises that you just can't imagine. And I'm feeling that weird, but in that weird, like there's a level of energy you feel to even hold up the seizure, like to keep doing it. And the more and more I kept doing it, it's making me more and more tired. And I got to a point where I'm like, I I can't, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't have another quote unquote breath to get there. And so right as I got to that point, um, you know, call it a prayer, call it whatever. But I just, I was very mindful. Like, is this what dying's like? And I thought of my kids. I thought of Mm. people that I love. I thought of my family and I, sure. And I surrendered in the moment. I just said, I obviously don't. Not a whole lot I can do from right here, you know. Mm. I'm in a CT in St. Louis, and nobody's here. And like, I my choice at this point is nil, you know. And can, so, can I ask a quick question? What did you, did you ever sense? I don't know, God saying anything to you at that time, mm. or, or was it just so, just kind of just a lot of fear? Hindsight, and, I would say more has come to me. You know, like. I think he's spoken to those moments, if that mm. makes sense. Mm. Like I've I've obviously replayed them and replayed them and replayed. I mean, I'm in the moment right now as I'm talking to you. Yeah. I can see it. It's over to my right. You know, these people are buying glass and they're scanning me. You're like, yeah, <laughs> doorway's in front of me. Sure. I'm there right now. Yeah. But uh, it's a so, moment like that. You're just, I mean, you're all in. I mean, you don't have a choice. Like yeah, everything, like you said, talking about being out of control, which will, yeah just totally at the will of whatever happens with but when you said the words when you said you surrendered to it i just kind of wondered if you felt the i don't know the presence of the holy spirit just a feeling within me maybe that that uh like whatever sense i had of control in this moment right now i can't fool myself anymore because i don't have it Mm. Mm. i can go right back to here anytime Mm. something could happen and i'll I'll be right back to this place, this second. Mm. So anything more than that. I mean, that's the, that's the context of our earlier conversation. Yeah. I can, I can go there in a second right now and go, yeah, I, nothing. I, yeah, don't, there, I don't get to decide what my hair looks like. I don't get to decide yeah, what I don't clothes know, I've got I on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this is crude, but I don't mean it to be, but we're not in any more control now. With all our faculties. Yes. 
I in, yes. re, in reality, because in a blink of an eye, things can change, right? Yeah, I I say it sometimes, and I hope it's understood. But I'm like, it's an illusion. It's not mm. real. Mm. We might sense we have it, because I sometimes in those spaces I feel like others say, "Well, that sounds like you don't really want to give an effort." I feel like you just want to quit. I'm like that is that is diametrically no it no. I want to work hard. I want to do the things hard. I want to show up. I want to like all that will is still there within me. But the reality is even in my best effort in the day, God decides Mm. Mm. period. Mm. It's that boiled down for me. I have to live that because I've lived that. And it is a, a blessing. I really do feel that. I mean, now how long was it kind of in this state? So from that CT, they rushed to me because apparently I, I was passing. Like I, I never, um, I had to ask them later in an ICU. I said, did I die? And they go, no, you didn't die. <laughs> but even the way they said it, I'm like, well, it didn't sound real. It's like you kind of had some tone there. <laughs> Not convincing. Well, you didn't die. No, but <laughs> really die. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't You're call just kind of like, uh, uh, yeah. What would you call it then? <laughs> Because I'm I'm blur I'm I'm getting blurry here with the with the with the verbiage. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted just a little more cheering in that. Like, no, no way, you're fine. Right, right. And I can tell obviously as I'm looking around, I'm like things are not fine. But um, right. they pull me off really fast. I didn't even finish the scan because I had stopped breathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will explain some of where my mind was. I've known medical things. Most people know this when they they. Um, put two tubes in your nose and they put that baggy thing on the side and they, they start squeezing that. It's because you stopped breathing. I didn't, I couldn't understand that. Mm. I was in such a state. I had to tell my mom, I go, what's that when they do? And they, you know, I'm doing the motion and she's looking at me like, you don't know what that is. Yeah. It's cause you stopped breathing, bud. I'm like, Oh, Oh wow. So yeah. She's going to tell you later. Yeah. When I'm recovering out of the hospital. I mean, even that I can remember saying that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's what happened, you know. And so fast forward a bit, I end up in a um a surgery surgery. They went in through a uh, an artery in my arm, actually went up to my brain, pulled the blood clot out cuz what had happened is I'd had two different times on that June 1st and the June 4th blood clots that had uh released from my neck. I my neck was compromised and torn in a particular artery, vertebral called and um they it went to my brain and and provided a stroke they asked me in the hospital you know do you drink do you smoke do you do and i'm going no 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 and and they're like you know different things that they're trying to rule it all out because of my age even you know and figure it out and so yeah that's some of what it had narrowed down to is that yeah the blood clot from the neck and what they could see and so what they later described and had to discover is that apparently there's an artery um, in the brain that if a uh, blood clot glows there, like you have about an 85 to 90% chance of dying. And so if I had been in that car going home, if I had been anywhere, I'll just say other than a hospital like that, if I'd have been in a local one, not saying anything ill of here, but there's just no way they couldn't, right. they couldn't help me. Right. Um, most people, 85 to 90, they die mortality rate. Wow. So, I had to process that later, look through that, see that on Google and go, this is what happened to me and this is what could have happened to me. And, you know, even in the moment right now, I'm like, I'm here talking to you on this 
podcasts. I, I don't take those things lightly in any yeah. day anymore. Would you, does that give you a sense of, okay, God's not done with me yet? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been asked that a lot. Um, I know that I have uh, thoughts and prayers and, and things that I, I, uh, I don't know that uh, would make a lot of sense to folks. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think sometimes it's like, well, you must have this grandiose mission. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. And I don't feel that. Um, I think I'll just say it this way. Like I am meant to love, just love mm. and be love. Um, I'm not perfect at it. Yeah. It's not about the grandiose mission. No. As much as about the faithfulness. And, and get this, I get an opportunity every single day, multiple opportunities every single day. And I, I just want to, that like, that's part of who I am and that's part of what we need. Uh, yeah, one I, thing we haven't said yet is that what you currently do. Yeah, I'm a chaplain at our local hospital here, St. Anthony's. and You, you know, know a little bit about hospitals now. Yeah, yeah a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even that context, I've I've often said, okay, God, did you show me that so that I understand, so that I can empathize, so that I can identify with what they're going through, why they look panicked in this moment. Yeah. Um, I've shared my story a couple times with patients. I don't often, just because... It, they're the one in the bed. I'm not sure. But if I think it will encourage them and show them like, you can beat this, you can get past this. Mm-hmm. It's not, you're not done. I spoke to a young man one time, much younger than me that for whatever reason had went through. And he just looked at me with the most hope flies. Like, are you serious? And I showed him a video of me and said, yeah, there's what I looked like. Mm-hmm. And he was, I hope, you know, but he appeared inspired and, uh, I don't know that he had that, you know, he wouldn't have had that moment to go. Right. It could be this. Well, let's talk about your recovery. Cause I, I'm, I'm just, just some of the things you've told me seems like that was the roughest time. I mean, the sense of like everything you went through was scary, yeah. but recovering is like trying to get a sense of yourself and you don't really know yourself. Yeah. Kind of thing. The areas in my brain, that were affected would be the same places that drugs and alcohol would, uh, would attack you or hit you would center in on you. And so balance, you know, obviously affected, um, judgment, you know, um, just processing things. I went for over a year working on an app on my phone. It was suggested by Barnes and just to, uh, do a simple game was like, a day's event and mm-hmm. I'm tired now. <laughs> and I don't know what all I did for the next rest of the day, you know, but just uh, trying to kind of bring back brain function. Yeah. Just, uh, how uh, quick I could process sometimes even just words. And, you know, I, I could know I knew the word, but I couldn't mm-hmm. find it. Um, no, I had the thought, but I couldn't find it. Things that I knew were core to me. Like, were deep down to me. Nobody else knew somehow knowing something's in there, but not being able to grab it was such a disorienting, mm. uh, place. And, and so just, I mean, plenty of things, you know, I, I recovered quickly physically. I mean, I was, I was back to driving pretty fast, probably too fast. Um, but months, 
after all this had happened. I'm out of the hospital in a week. I've seen you drive. I don't think you should be out there. Right. Even now. That, that's when you were healthy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. You know, we're working with this now. <laughs> what do you hope to get Wait, back I mean, to? He's going to come back to his driving <laughs> skill. Please. There's got to be something hope that changes. This improved it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, just. I remember you talking to me just about you had a hard time even knowing how you're progressing. Yeah. I mean, cause you had to depend on reactions of other people. Yeah. I mean, you had a great one. One of my, one of my best, um, you often came and picked me up for lunch, whatever you call you know, about yeah. weekly or so. And yeah. I wasn't working, couldn't work, but, you know? And so filling my days with just opportunity to visit with friends. And I had a friend that, even uh, he was supposed to move to Nashville, couldn't yet because of COVID and all that. And so I told him, I said, what a blessing. We would have never had these few months, you know, to hang out. Oh, you, yeah. would, you would come and, and get me. And I remember, I, I think it's when you picked me up, but uh, you looked at me and I could tell that I couldn't hold my face correctly, which is a weird feeling. But uh, it was just like I was in a, and I, you know, pardon the term or way, but I was just like in a constant duh face. Yeah. And, but yeah. I couldn't change it. I, I couldn't pull my, it was exhausting to pull my cheek up and make my eyes look right. And yeah, I don't know how to concentrate to on just simple, simple things, Yeah, you know, cause the whole time I'm trying to walk and I'm trying to just think, um, but you said to me, you know, it was super helpful cause I thought some of it was coming back and you said your countenance is back. Like you know, the look on your face is back. And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, and some of that adds hope. Some of that adds a measuring point, you know. Um, so Plus, anytime there. I get to use the word countenance, <laughs> I try to use it. Yeah, yeah, like it. So I'm glad it was encouraging because, you know, it's a good word. It is a good word. It's <laughs> kind of a funny word. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, no, that's true, though. I mean, because mm-hmm. so you kind of depended on other people. I mean, how long of a period do you feel like from the time, you know, this is June of 2020, right? Mm-hmm. So by the time that that the stroke happened and everything, how long of a period do you feel like you, do you felt like somewhat of your normal self, if at all? But you know what I mean. Yeah, and it's such a strange as best as you can exactly. as best as you can get exactly. your mind around. It's I guess. my mind trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, the best that I can uh, quantify it or say it, I think I've come to is it again was in waves. I think I was to a certain place after a year, like a lot more function, a lot more understanding didn't realize how foggy I was still. I mm. uh, didn't realize how um, naive. It, like I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't even order at a restaurant with friends. I, I literally would wait until they said what they were ordering and I'd say, okay, I'll take two. I'll take one too. You're not sure if you like it or not, but I didn't care that's what you were getting because <laughs> it was it was just so much simpler to mm. operate. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. had to. Well, we take all that stuff for granted. I wouldn't tell day. people that, you know. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. wants to, I don't know, who wants to sit with that? And like, okay, hi, you okay? But that was my struggle. And so I think after a year to a great function, but, and I still have told a few people, uh, I think to some degree, there's just parts of the emotional, parts of the cognitive that seem simpler, uh quicker it's so minute minute it's hard to tell but uh and i've read things on neuroplasticity and all that you know 
Um, what? Yeah, exactly. That's not like bathroom reading? It's a superhero trick. <laughs> Power. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it makes me think of Stretch Armstrong, but I don't know. I never liked that toy. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stretch Armstrong, man. <laughs> it was also a punk band. <laughs> Now that I could go for. Sorry, Eric and I can just get into we could we could get into tangents that would last a long time, but we'll try to keep you we on track something a little of bit. Them. Yeah, we come full circle. Sometimes, eventually. yeah, eventually, eventually, it might mean something. Because Stretch Armstrong's like Chuck Norris, and Chuck Norris is like yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, I really think some um, just about a year when you felt a little bit better, but then it's been it's been two, two and a years half, now, and two I and would half say. Years. There was something pretty significant in me changed around two. Mm. I don't. I think there was a piece that came back. Mm. Like, yeah, that's happened. Yeah, that's your story. Yeah, you don't fight that, you know, as much as you used to. It, it's not as much of a struggle. You can do the job, but it's not as much of a struggle. And you felt like job. you had a better grip on just just life. who you were and just life. processing things like you used to. and Like. You know, if the average listener just thought about everything that they did in a day and did very involuntary, I finally, after two years, got to the place. I'm like, I don't really have to think about that anymore. Mm. I can just live. Mm. So I can't some ma- imagine of it was exhausting. Your, yeah, imagine giving all your mental energy into every little thing you do. Everything. Basically. Everything. Now, the story doesn't end there. Right. <laughs> As it didn't end with Job. At this point, people are like, Come on. I know. They're like, well, really? Uh, because you've had some other physical things hit you. Yeah. I've always been one that's enjoyed hiking and uh, or just walking. And I'll be on the trek trail a lot and things like that. And so um had gotten done with a hike, had shorts on. I reached down to my knee, my left knee, and I felt a spot. And I thought, oh, I got a tick on me. Great. And uh, Dumb ticks. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Blood. Sucking. sucking Lyme disease <laughs> tick things. Yes. Yeah. You know, I feel like they're not named well. They need something harsher. I know. Tick just sounds I don't know. Short changed. Cartoony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's because Too of the polite. tick. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're something not that like nice. Blood sucking tick. Like yeah. BSTs. Like leech, man. That, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, leech. You Ma- are in family. Leech's got with a leech. good name. Yeah, yeah. Don't even pretend, Tick. I know. Don't even. It's like very small central Illinois leech. <laughs> Is there an acronym They're for the that? the assassins <laughs> of the leech family. <laughs> <laughs> so this, it, it wasn't a Tick, though. That's the, but that, it was that, not. It's so funny so because anyway. we're talking about Ticks, but it's got really it nothing to do nothing. with a Tick. It's not like you did get Other Lyme. I thought it was one. It wasn't Lyme disease, but no. um, anyway, even though that's nasty. <laughs> right. It really is. Yeah. It can be bad. Yeah. Um. Now I went to a dermatologist because I'm one that, you know, got moles all over me. So it's good to check and skin cancer, you know, has been uh, something I've been just mindful of, wondered, you know. Right. And so um, they came back. I, I'll never forget this. I was in Aldi parking lot trying to put my groceries away and I found out that I had melanoma. And so I hear that. I'm like, oh, that's a term I know. And uh, she said, you know, and began to list all the things that I was going to need to do and how, uh, how, um like invasive and how dangerous it can be. I always thought skin cancer was like uh, 98% treatable, you know, right, da, da, da. Right. and I thought, okay, I don't want it. I'm going to do my best to prevent it, but I'm also not going to live a life that's like 
fearful all you know but apparently melanoma can be yeah one of the worst and uh, i've been told even by an oncologist at one point he said if there were like four years ago or so because if i'd have been talking to you about your condition with the melanoma he goes i would have been talking to you like a pancreatic cancer patient and I, I know that's like that's not, yeah, good, that's news. not good at all really bad and so so now you have cancer yeah after i I went, how long degree. ago was this? Uh, March. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty recent. Yeah. And I so, thought it was around spring, but I couldn't remember exactly when. Yeah. Went through surgery. Um, even in treatment right now, I've had the fifth of 12 that I'll have mm. uh, over that. But in the midst of the PET scan, of course, they got to scan you and see where all the cancer is. They find a nodule on my thyroid. And so it's just this like continual wave of like, Bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. And I'm trying to take care of it all. I'm trying even in my mental capacity. And I've had good help and support around me. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I can be one that's like, hey, I'll take care of it. I'm fine, you know. And so, and trying to work and yeah. <laughs> raise kids, you yeah. know, be a father and yeah, whatever, whatever else. But um, it's really interesting because, and I'm saying this as your friend, that I've noticed that you took this in stride. I don't get to say that, though, you know? Yeah, I understand. But it did seem to me that you took this in stride, even though it's not good. Yeah. But it's almost as if, like you were saying earlier, when you figure out you're not in control, then you you have two options. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me you have two options. Mm-hmm. One is either I panic, <laughs> you know, or, or, and I, and I start to trust in things of the world or whatever, or, mm-hmm. you know, name it, fill yeah, in the blank. Numb it out. Yeah. yeah. Or I really, or I really trust in God because that's, you mm-hmm. know, that's what you got left. And so the way I would say it, but I think it's the same, it's just different packaging is I choose to show up or not. Hmm. So showing up to me is towards positive, right things. I mean, I could have chosen to have been like, no, I'm I'm so exhausted. I don't care. Treatment? No, I'm done. Or checking out would be, you know, not treatment or yeah, yeah. towards the less yeah. pro-social behaviors, you know, and, yeah. and choosing to annihilate my life in some way, shape, or form. Or drown myself out, basically. Numb it out, yeah. yeah numb it out. Which a lot of people do. That's why they fall into addictions. Exactly. And understandably so. You know, life so why haven't you, Eric? Why haven't you? I do think some of the, as strange as it could sound, the the experiences with the stroke um, was like the you know the linchpin to uh, sealing the deal or finishing it off. But I'm like, I didn't have control then. I don't have control now. So what's different? Like, the only thing I can do is just try to move forward, try to show up. But it goes back um, for me to uh that's where god gets the glory in every bit of this i mm-hmm. i feel like he mm-hmm. he showed himself he revealed himself in just some special ways to me when i was probably three years old i have a picture i have a uh, to me it's just such a, a crazy wonderful moment my uncle caught a picture of me and i know what was going on inside of me i think i was saying my first prayer but nobody would know that Wow. My parents wouldn't have known that, yeah. but I was just acknowledging 
I could tell something was bigger around me. Something was, this is where I'll come back to like calling my name, like speaking to me and not that I heard some voice or anything like that, but I just felt a tugging. Like I could see my parents, I could see my family, I could see all you know, my relationships at three. And yet I'm like, I don't know. I, I couldn't put in concept like, Oh, something made this, you know, and do, <laughs> do all those right. things. Right. Wasn't like that. But just felt a sense and I felt peace and comfort and you just knew. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I want, she had a faith at there. a very young age. Yeah. I just wanted to be there wherever that was, whatever that was. I right. wanted to be with that, know that, understand that. And so some of life is, you know, continued in that way, but and some ups and downs, you know, like I said earlier, Jonah stuff like, yeah, I know you got, but I ain't doing that. I'm over here. <laughs> right. But yeah, now to, uh, what I, what I do, hope is a better place to just surrender. What do you say to people? You know, you've got a chance right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we have people listening who may not have made their peace with God. Yeah. Uh, or really understand a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe they have had it, but until these things hit, you know, the storms, mm-hmm. start, the storms in life started hitting. And they started to kind of, I know this, I'll tell a little story real quick if I can. I was just talking to a bunch of elementary kids this morning at Discovery mm-hmm. School. And <clears throat> I told him a story about a friend of mine named Sobek who we were uh, moving and my kids were little. My my daughter was only like seven or eight or something like that. And she had a bird uh, and she forgot to clip his wings. We were moving a little cockatoo and uh, she was bringing the cage outside and the bottom fell out of it and the bird got away and he, mm-hmm. he landed in a tree in our, in our yard and um, we couldn't figure out how to get him down. And we we're trying to save the bird, and she's crying. So Beck, like only if you know him, you know him. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> only like he could do, he says to me, hey, let me see that football. And so he, <laughs> you can just see this coming, right? So he oh, takes yeah. the football. I, I've never known So Beck to be accurate ever in my life. I'm thinking the bird didn't know. <laughs> And the, he, he was going to scare the bird down. He's throw the, he said, I'm going to throw the, the ball up into the top of the tree. Hopefully that'll kind of scare him. He'll mm-hmm. come flying down. Well, he hit the bird. I mean, square on. <laughs> I'm like, how did you even do that? I mean, it's a little bird on this big, you know, this little branch. And then bird just shook it off. He had no, you know, oh, it no. took him a while. He kind of got his bearing and then he flew away. We never saw him again. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks, man. You know, that really, really <laughs> <laughs> but we joked about it for years, but my daughter was crying. I was upset. And mm-hmm. I was talking to the kids about, I was just saying that I was saying something along the lines of the fact that um, I've known lots of people who have gotten hit with that football. Mm-hmm. You know, they went through something in life and yeah. got hit and uh, never did shake it off, mm-hmm. but they flew away Yeah, because it, it scared them and they didn't think Jesus had a plan or God had a plan. Yeah. You know, uh, sorry, I had to tell a little story, no, something, but it was in my mind this morning because of the fact that I was thinking, I'm thinking of you. What could, here's your opportunity, Eric. What mm-hmm. do you tell people from someone like you who have gone through one thing after another? What do you tell people who are going through these storms and they're just, they don't have the faith or yeah. they're, they don't know what to do. I think the first thing I would do is ask a 
a couple questions and the questions would probably center around what is it that you believe and that you hold to in this life that's so firm, you're so confident, you're so assured that it's true that you wouldn't reach for him, that you wouldn't, Mm. that you would choose something else like Mm. that, you know, you've seen play out in life and this is just what it's about and going after and doing and then I think, you know, based on answers and things like that, I would, um, and I mean this word, it may sound awkward, but some of the blessing of my experience, even now, even as a chaplain now, is that I'm reminded daily as I see people, I see sick, I see someone in their last moments, that I got to experience that because I, it, it moves everything towards he is like if he, if he hasn't shown you if you've not been convinced enough that he's worth and worthy it will someday mm. it may be in your final moments and it may be when you have nothing but surrender left like you have nothing but mm. this is my final breaths and i i don't know what happens after this because you can't pretend to know. Um, and I'm looking for, I'm looking for truth. I'm looking for what holds. I'm looking for what stands the test of time. I'm looking for, um, yeah, I'm just looking to know that, uh, what do they say? That, you know, this life is a breath. It's mm. short. It's my experience, but, like a mist, like here a and mist. it's gone. Yeah, it's here like and James it's gone. says. Mm. Yeah. And so, in some way, there is a gratitude around those things. There can be if I'll allow it to be. You know, that's the mm. that's the continual work in me. I, it can be if I'll allow it to be. Oh, I could. What was me? And I could be sad and like this is so unfair. And I, I could have been doing this thing in my career by now. And oh, all those thoughts are there. I'm human like everybody else. But it gets easier to surrender those things knowing that it's not my choice knowing that it's not in the end my ultimate reality Mm -hmm. and i need something way bigger than me Mm -hmm. to figure all this out for me and so i'm i'm looking for love and i'm looking to be cared for even in this this mist i think we i think we've learned a little bit as to why you've learned the things about jesus that you have Mm you know, through your story, why you understand you're not in complete control, why you've learned dependency. I got one last question, and then we'll kind of start to tie things up, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. What would your life be like right now if you didn't have that faith and gone through what you're going through? If you didn't know Jesus, really, Mm -hmm. what do you think it'd be like? For me, I think it would feel like um, still making decisions with an internal sense that, like, I, I changed this, I did this, I I uh, deserve, even just the, do I deserve credit for this or not? Like, I, that's, that's not even a thing for me anymore. I could so care less. <laughs> right. I could so care less because... 
I don't, I can't dictate that. And I think I would still sense that or feel that. I think I would. I know I did before, you know, and I was surrendering some of it, but not all of it. If there was something that I did for a positive impact, I I mean, I kind of liked it when people's like, hey, good job. Thank you, man. We're relying on you. Like that felt good, you know? Yeah. And to some degree, there's not anything bad with that. You know, I mean, I can see the positive and like praising somebody and, um, but I think I wanted flattery in some places more than like what could be real encouragement, you know, pure encouragement. Do you think despair would play any part? Mm. Oh yeah. I was still processing through loss, you know, to that point before. Cause if you're so prideful about your own control, and then you come to a place where you don't have it anymore at all. Mm-hmm. I think despair would be a natural reaction. I don't know. I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. Like post or after yeah the sickness. Oh yeah, it it was very easy to for me to see, and that's not like a credit of me, but very easy to see that I had two paths, and I can make this towards gratitude, and I can look for if I want to search it out why and why towards a positive end mm. or I could choose to what was me and what I've lost. And, and I know you, I mean, you, let's just be honest. I mean, you've struggled with PTSD through this whole, I mean, you have to be right. Yeah. I mean, I've been told that, yeah, went to counseling over it. Um, anywhere. So it's, from, so it's not like every single day you're living on cloud nine no. and Jesus has brought you through it and you're giving him total credit. I mean, it's not like that. I mean, I think sometimes we, when we talk about these kind of either or things, like if you're in Jesus, yeah. or you're not in Jesus, we kind of yeah. view it that way, but it's not always like that. You can hold happiness and you can hold despair in the very same place. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You can hold uh, hope and you mm. can hold uh, disillusion in the very same place, you know, and, and you kind of wake up every day deciding mm-hmm. w- which one you're going to hold more than the other, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I, and I've often found even in, it's kind of a little different avenue, but even in my greatest of strengths, my most uh, debilitating weakness is the shadow of that. Mm. Like I can be, uh, you know, maybe a person is just a great encourager, but the the backside of that is that they're just really needing it and feel low, you know. Um, and so I have to watch that. Like, is this my strength? Is this my is the reason I'm hopeful is because I, you know, the backside of it is I'm really kind of, uh, I don't know. Uh, and so I want to trump it up. I want to add, you know, add to it. Sure. Um, but just let it be pure. Let it be real. And yeah, it, sometimes even in the struggle, then it gives again, the opportunity to show that this is where I'm at. I'm okay. You know, this is where, um, I haven't totally processed this. So you might have to help me with it. I hope to not, you know, head off a wrong way. Even temptation and sin for me has changed hmm. because I walked through a place in life where, man, that drug me down. I'm like, failed again, failed again, failed again. And I've, I've rode that carnival ride for a while, you know, merry go around. And so in some of this and in some different places, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to glory in my sin. I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm not going to, you know, praise it. It's not that at all. Sometimes when I do, the next thought for me must be this. You know, that only proves I need him. Mm. And guess what temptation does? It lightens. The things that I've struggled with in some places, that's been a key to 
I'll say victory for me is like, man, I'm just done beating myself up over that. Like, why would I keep, uh, did it again, did it again. And white knuckling yeah. those moments. Some of us surrender to even that. Like, yeah, this is why I need you. Yeah, you, it's what we call the Britney Spears syndrome. <laughs> syndrome. Uh, oops, I did it again. You need, <laughs> need to stop that. No. I thought I was shaving my head for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's another uh, interview I'd love to do. Uh, Oops. Right after Eric Splatter will be Britney Spears. <laughs> but uh, discuss what the word insanity means. Uh, but I, no, I, I really appreciate everything you've uh, you brought to this, Eric. And I mean, just, I think nothing really here is that new to me in the sense that in the sense of, you know, knowing what you've been going through, but yeah. really appreciate you sharing with everybody else. And I think, I think, I think though this may be what's new about this conversation for me is just hearing how you're processing things now mm. is, you know, fairly, sure. fairly new. And I, I, I can't help but think, and I would love to kind of close our time together on this. I can't help but think that, God does have a reason for you being here. And I understand what you're saying. Like maybe it's not some sort of grandiose mission, but at the same time, it's still a mission. Yeah. It may not be grandiose, but it's still a mission. I mean, there's the, the people around you and the yeah. the opportunities that he's given you like this podcast, you know? And, and so that's where, like I, I'll say again, I don't think I get to decide that. Yeah. It might, it's up to him. It might be grandiose. Mm. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. But it, they get to decide that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like whoever I impact gets to decide if it meant something to their life. Right. I, I don't dictate that. I don't choose that. But I'm is it? But is it for? That. But is it for Christ? You know, like bottom about, line. You're talking yes. about Ephesians with being a Paul being a prisoner yeah. of Jesus, not of yes. Nero, kind of thing. Like, is it for in my in whatever situation I find myself? Is is it really? Do I see that as being for Christ or not? And like you said, and then I have nothing to do I've with that. Nothing you know, else. But I. I am what it, I am who I am and it is what it is and yeah I've got nothing else. Pray that and God I don't want anything yeah. else. Well, if you would as we close, would you pray? Mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool for you to pray over people who are listening right now and who need to who need this prayer for for strength, for faith, for no matter what situation, no matter what job times they're going through. Um because I, I know a lot of people who are, you know, and yeah. and we need to encourage each other. And I know that you definitely want to do that. So if you don't yeah. mind closing this with Thank prayer. You. Okay. Yeah. So, Father, in these moments, I, I would just ask you to quiet our hearts and our minds, our souls to that level. So that we could come to a place to just listen. in a space that you get to decide and our contentment and peace comes right in line. I think about in moments people that are struggling, hurting, disillusioned, confused, and just for the strength that you do provide for some to just keep going, that that be their grace in the day doesn't have to be right whatever that means just keep going and they know they know the way to you for those that don't know you 
I pray that you continue. I know you will because I know of your heart. Just keep pursuing. And whatever breakthroughs, whatever circumstances of life that are necessary would happen and just be understood even in that way that you're in continual pursuit of your children and that uh, help us know our value help us understand it I do thank you for um technology i thank you for the ways in which we can reach and share and provide hope and communicate and i see even those from you and so i'm thankful but lord just continue to make in us uh, people that it's so clear to this world that we're not about our agenda anymore maybe even just the admission that we have been and that we're done with it and we'll try to sacrifice it tomorrow to the best of our ability. We'll just be mindful that we can't decide those things, but we rely on you. Mm-hmm. And so help us all to have grace for each other in those moments. So we're doing our best. And that your love for us is greater than anything that we could ask for or imagine. Even just that word, Lord, let imagine wash over us. And so thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Isn't it awesome to know that the same words that Jesus spoke to Paul are also true for us? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Thanks, Eric. Thank you.